So we are concluding today our series called This Is What We Do. We've been doing a three-week series looking at our ministry as a church family. You see, every single church on the planet, every single, let me rephrase that, every single Christian church on the planet has the exact same mission. The same. They're identical. And the mission is what I said when I was in my other clothes in the hot tub, to go into all the nations and make disciples. That's the mission of the church. It's not potluck. It's not social club. It's not Christian entertainment. It's to go and make disciples. That's the mission. Now, every church family is going to do that a little differently based on their context, based on the culture that they live in, based on the people who are a part of that family, different gifts and talents and personalities. And that's why God, you know, sometimes my non-Christian friends, they go, well, why are there so many denominations? I said, because there's so many different types of people. And we need churches that are radically different than this church to reach people that we could never reach. And that's what I love about the body of Christ, that we all have this distinctiveness as a church family, but still part of the family, still part of the body. Sure, some churches we might want to call our crazy cousins, but they're still family, fulfilling the mission of God to make disciples of all the nations. And so this is Greenbelt's 45th year of ministry. And I firmly believe, and the elders here firmly believe, that God is going to do. Not we're hoping God is going to do. We believe to the core of our beings that God is going to do amazing things this year. As we see more people put their faith in Jesus. As we see more people dealing with the sin in their life. When we see more people truly living out their faith in this culture. I've said this for years. That the lukewarm church in Canada has no place. See, maybe 30 years ago, it was a good thing to go to church because it was a good way to kind of keep up your reputation in the community, right? If you were a salesperson, it would be really good for you to get a church membership somewhere because it looks like you're a good person and you might get a few sales from the church. Our culture today has increasingly gotten harder when it comes to the message of Jesus. And in fact, it may become detrimental to your business if people found out you went to a Bible-believing evangelical church. Oh, you're one of those people. But I firmly believe as culture gets harder to the message, the light of God shines brighter. Because people are desperate to know the light of God. And that's what I want to talk about today. Today, we're going to finish this off. We've been talking about knowing Jesus. We've been talking about living Jesus. And today, I want to wrap this series up. We're going to talk about sharing Jesus. And before I talk about sharing Jesus, I've got a really simple question. I like to start my sermons with a question this way. I help to get your brain primed and pumped so that you can be thinking about this and paying attention while we're looking at the Bible together. But the question today, very simple. Very simple. And I mean it this time. I, I know you go, yeah, whenever you ask a simple question, it's like the hardest ones. And we go home and that's a couple and we argue all day because of the question. No, it's not one of those today. Okay. Real simple. What's your favorite restaurant? Shout out a few. McDonald's. Preach, brother. <laughs> the one I, funny, that's the only one I heard. <laughs> favorite restaurant. Shout them out real loud. Olive Garden, Eastside Mariel, bada boom, bada bing. 
Sushi can. <laughs> sushi. Okay, yeah. Anyone else? Zach's Diner. Zach's Diner. Awesome. Favorite restaurant. I, my favorite restaurant, I don't have a particular favorite restaurant, but I have a favorite type of restaurant. Breakfast. <laughs> I like the mom and pop greasy spoon, $1.99 big giant plate of greasy meat breakfast. You know what I'm talking about? Not this Shea Cora cut up fancy fruit for twenty seven ninety five. Okay, that's ridiculous. It's eggs, people. Okay? A greasy spoon kind of breakfast. And you know what? And that's been a part of Danielle and I ever since we started dating, was finding a place to go out for breakfast. It was just our thing. Remember? We used to have fun doing that. Yeah. And we, we were always looking for a new breakfast place. And cheap. Had to be cheap. So I'm cheap, right? So it had to be cheap. And then we had kids. Well, now we need to find a breakfast place where they eat free. Because I'm cheap. Okay, so I have to kind of keep this theme going. And so when we moved from Montreal to the Waterloo region, we got settled, we unpacked our house, and then the first question we had was, where can we go for breakfast? What's a good breakfast place? And there was a church of 800 people, and I had dozens and dozens and dozens of people telling me where to go for breakfast. Very passionate about their restaurant. Oh, no, you got to go here. Oh, no, you got to go here. Oh, you got the service. Oh, the eggs. Oh, the bacon. Oh, the bacon. Okay. And then we moved from the Waterloo region to Ottawa, and we got settled and unpacked here. And then the next question was, where do I go for breakfast? And God bless you, Greenbelt. You helped me find breakfast places. Okay, Not chorus. Stop recommending chorus. Okay? <laughs> breakfast. Okay? We are incredibly passionate to share the things that we are passionate about. We will talk about our favorite restaurant. We will talk about our favorite sports team. We will talk about our jobs, our careers, our family. The things that we are the most passionate about, you will tell everybody about it. You will post it all over social media. I can know amazing things about you once I get access to your Facebook page. I can learn what you are the most passionate about in a few minutes of going through your Facebook page. You and I will share what we're most passionate about. So today it's so incredibly important as a church family, we finish this series of this is what we do, talking about sharing Jesus. How passionate are we about that? We kicked this series off looking at Isaiah chapter 61. And Isaiah 61 is a beautiful prophecy about the coming Messiah. And in in verse 3, the prophet Isaiah reminds the people of Israel, reminds the people of God what God's purpose is for their life. And this is what the prophet said in verse 3. Verse 3, there it is. They will be called oaks of, I gotta make an eye appointment. Holy moly. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The people of God have been planted where they are. Even in times of exile, when the Assyrians came in and took the people of Israel out of their land and brought them into slavery, wherever God sent them as his children, their purpose was to be a display, a living display of God's splendor. When God called Abraham, into a covenant relationship with him. He said to Abraham, 
the world would be blessed by your descendants. The world, you're going to be a blessing to the whole world because you are going to be a display of God's splendor. And that's still the call as the church today. We are the children of God in the world. Churches are planted all over the city and all over the country and all over the world for the purpose of displaying God's splendor to the world. So the theme that we've been looking at for the first for the three weeks of this series is this, is that we are called to be the display of God's splendor. And here at Greenbelt, we do this by knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. And we've had these three circles up on the screen the last couple of weeks. We have what we call a simple church discipleship model. We believe that if you commit to three things in your walk with Jesus, that you will grow spiritually and you will become more like Jesus. All right, the first is making Sunday morning a priority. To come and worship God in spirit and in truth. To hear the word of God proclaimed unapologetically. We talked about being part of a life group, meeting during the week. I say this constantly to people. Our church, we, we, by Canadian statistics, by Canadian statistics, statistics, we are approaching the mega church level. Most churches in Canada are less, 85% of churches in Canada are less than 100 people. 90% of churches in Canada have plateaued or, or declining. And that's not something to boast about, that we're doing all right on this. This is something to praise God for, (laughs) because it's his work doing it, right? But we need to be in relationship with one another. The the model of, well, the pastor and his wife take care of everybody. I barely know you. (laughs) And, And if I were to meet with every adult in an intimate way, I would see you probably once or twice a year. At the most, well, maybe I could push it a little bit more, but then you'd be checking me into a hospital because I'd be working 120 hours a week. Our care model here is being in a group. And I tell people all the time, if you are not in a life group, you're not in our care system as a church family. Because we saw last week that there's 100 verses about one another. Caring for one another, praying for one another, supporting one another, spurring one another on. That doesn't happen in crowd ministry like Sunday morning. That happens in intimate relationship in groups. So if you're not in a group yet, we've been meeting as group leaders. The groups are launching. Download the church app. And there's a big button there that says join a group. Click it. Find one that fits your schedule. Find one that fits your location of the city. And give it a shot. I'm not asking you to make a 20-year commitment to these people. Try it for three weeks. See what God would do. We've been saying if we take little steps, God multiplies our little steps greatly. So give it a shot. And then the final circle in our, in our ministry discipleship thing is, is serve. And that's what I want to focus on today, that you and I are called to serve. And again, this is so radically important that the living and sharing Jesus starts and hinges on our knowing Jesus. If our knowledge of Jesus is simply head knowledge, it will not change how you and I live our lives. It won't. It's head knowledge. Right? Head knowledge is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with head knowledge. In fact, we actually want to help you learn the Bible better. And we're going to start offering a new thing called foundations. 
Starting on October the 13th, we're going to offer a four-week module for Friday nights, four weeks, and we're going to look at the doctrine of the Bible. Can you answer to someone at work? If someone comes up to me, prove to me the Bible is the word of God, can you answer that? Then you need to come to Foundations on October 13th for four weeks, and we'll help you learn how to answer that. (laughs) Maybe you want to do that with your life group for four weeks. Come and check that out. But we want to be starting to offer these modules to help us grow in our knowledge, but not to stay there so that it changes how we live. Because we're talking about this intimate knowledge of Jesus. When we have this intimate knowledge of Jesus, it radically changes how we live, and it radically changes how we share Jesus. And it's, I think it's important as we talk about the topic of sharing Jesus, we need to start by truly knowing the heart of God when it comes to non-Christians. If you watch the news, and and I love the news. I'm I'm slightly borderline addicted to news websites. I'll admit that. I got CNN and CTV and CBC and some of the other, you know, news channels all kind of bookmarked in my web browser. And and periodically, just throughout the day, I just randomly check news sites. I wonder if something really cool happened in the world while I was on lunch. You know, I just kind of do that. Um, But when you kind of watch the news and you see Christians kind of in the news, it really looks like we hate everybody. It really looks like we hate um, people who don't look like us or believe like us or act like us. Like you see us at the protests, you see us at this, you see us at that, you see us marching, you see us doing all this stuff. And and the way they portray it, I get it, it's rigged, I get it. Um, But I could see a lot of hate. I hate those sinners. I hate those sinners. I heard a great talk from James McDonald this week. He said, um, when we go around as Christians saying, um, uh, love the sinner but hate the sin, that's not biblical. Love the sinner, hate your own sin. That's biblical. Love the sinner, hate your own sin. Get rid of the plank in your own eye. (laughs) That's biblical. So we need to know the heart of God when it comes to people who are far from God. And I think the best story in the entire Bible that describes that, if you've been in church for a long time, you know the story. It's the story of the prodigal son or the story of the lost son. This is a story about two brothers. Jesus is telling a story. He's telling a parable. And the reason he's telling this particular story is because Jesus is in a room full of tax collectors. Now, tax collectors in Jesus' day, people hated them. The Jewish people hated tax collectors because they worked for Rome. And Rome was this occupying nation that came in, took everything over, and they would demand taxes. They had to pay to Caesar. They would get these Jewish people to become tax collectors, and these Jewish people were serving Caesar. And they would take money from their own people, and they could skim off the top, make themselves very wealthy. And if you didn't pay it, you could be killed for not paying your taxes to Caesar. So they hated these people. There were sinners, and then there were tax collectors. They're the worst of the sinners. And Jesus is in a room full of them, hanging out and partying with them, and eating with them, and drinking with them. And the religious people are looking at this going, we don't like this. Who's this Jesus guy saying that, you know, teaching in in an authority that we don't have, healing in a way that we can't heal, casting out demons in a way that we can't, and look at him hanging out with these sinners. And Jesus tells this story about two brothers and their dad. 
and his dad is a wealthy farmer, and there's these two brothers. And the youngest brother decides, I want my money now. I don't want to wait until my dad dies to get my inheritance. I want it right now. And the father, in his love, gives it to him. He gives it to him. And this younger son takes off and leaves and lives a life that the Bible calls wild living. Wild living. Maybe you've met some people who've done some wild living. Maybe at some point in your life you've done some wild living. I know I have in my younger days. This wild living basically squanders all of his money. And when he's living this great life of women and partying and people and booze and everything else the world has to offer him, once the money's gone, all of those things of the world disappear. And he finds himself taking slop in a farm feeding pigs, basically as a slave. And he's looking at the slop that the pigs are eating, and he's not allowed to eat it, and he's starving to death. And he's like, why am I doing this? Why am I being a slave for this person? I should just go back to my father, and I should beg and beg and beg for forgiveness. Maybe if I work really hard, my father will love me. Maybe if I strive, maybe if I perform, maybe if I do all the right things, my father will love me. And so the son goes back home. On the way back home, the father sees him coming, and the father runs after him. The father was waiting. The father wasn't distracted doing something else. He was actively waiting for the return of this lost son. And he puts his cloak around him. He puts shoes on him. He puts rings on his hands. He reinstates him as a son and his inheritance. And what I want to focus on is the other brother, the older brother, the brother who was obedient, the brother who didn't leave, the brother who kept following the will of his father. This brother we see here starting in Luke chapter 15, verse 28, The older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. The father throws this party for the return of his son. The older brother becomes angry. So the father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you've never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. See, the older brother who's in that right relationship with God has everything he has everything he's a full heir already he hasn't lost his position with the father he is fully and completely blessed yet he's angry because I'm not getting enough I didn't get enough I didn't get enough he has kind of this scarcity mindset instead of realizing how blessed he is And he becomes angry on the father's love for the one who was lost. And that's the heart of God. As I study the Bible more, 
and, and, and as I read this more and I get to know God more, and this is going to sound weird, but I almost wonder if God's heart for people outside of the church is bigger than those for the ones inside the church. And now, now hear what I'm saying. Don't, don't call me a heretic for this, please. Um, God loves you. He loves you. But you, you have everything. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're fully his. There's nothing you did to earn it. There's nothing you could do to lose it. You're fully and completely and totally his. He loves you deeply. But his heart for that person out there breaks. Breaks. God wants none to perish. God wants all to come to a knowledge of knowing his son, Jesus. And that was the heart of God right from the very beginning when he was setting up his, his nation of Israel in commandments. He commanded the people of Israel to welcome in the alien, to welcome the foreigner, to welcome the stranger, make them a part of the family, be a blessing to them. And they took those commandments and created a religion to keep them out. God's heart is huge for those who are far from him. Is ours. Is mine. Do we reflect the heart of God in sharing Jesus the way God created his church to do it? What I want to do for the remainder of our time together is I want to attack this topic of sharing Jesus two ways. Uh, the first way I want to do it is I want to talk about service, how we serve as a way of sharing Jesus. And then I want to talk about witness and how we witness as a way of sharing Jesus. And I'm going to do this looking at a passage of the Bible. Um, it's one of my favorite passages. It's weird. Okay. But this is the call on your life. If you want to be a man, woman, boy, or girl who displays the splendor of God everywhere that you go, you need to smell like Jesus. Now you go, wait a minute. Jesus lived in like Israel 2,000 years ago in a backwater town, of Nazareth, uh, carpenter, probably sweaty, a lot of animal dung everywhere. Uh, Jesus probably stank. I'm not saying smell like him like that, okay? I'm saying smell like him like this. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the aroma that brings death, to the other, an aroma that brings life. Who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. All right, see, Paul, the Apostle Paul is going around the world planting churches, and he's finding that there are a lot of religious people who are basically peddlers. They're, they're salespeople when it comes to the things of God. And they're peddling the word of God. They're peddling God's word, not because they believe it, not because they're following it, but because it's a great way to make a living. It's a great way to make a living. You work one day a week. Kidding, I don't work just one day a week. (laughs) And you're popular. You get invited to all the good parties. Well, back then, not anymore. But uh, you get the head table, the head chair at the head table. 
I'm always amazed when people when I do weddings and people invite me to sit at the head table of their wedding. I, God bless you. I appreciate that. It's so awkward because <laughs> I don't know any of these people <laughs> and I'm shy. <laughs> You're killing me. I sit in the back. Okay, um, but. They're peddlers of God's word because it's a great way to make money, a great way to make a living back then in Jesus' day. And Paul is saying that's not who we are as the church. We're not doing this to make money. We're not doing this to keep the building open. We're not doing this to get a paycheck. We're doing this because we are the aroma of Christ in the world. And he talks about this procession, this triumphal procession. This is a parade, right? And he's talking to kind of people who understand Rome. When Rome would take over a nation or a city, a parade would come in. And all the soldiers and all the banners and all the incense would come in, and it would make an aroma when Rome would take over. And Paul is saying when the church is planted, when a church is in a location, that church, those people become the aroma of Christ, and you need to smell like Jesus. And here's the thing about smelling like Jesus. You are either going to stink or you're going to smell great. And it's not based on you, it's based on the person that you're beside. To some people, you stink. You stink. Have you ever met that person, or shared your faith with that person, who freaked out at you, who got very mad? I asked someone once on their deathbed if we could pray for them. And they are shot open and said, don't know. Whoa. Most heartbreaking experience in my life. The hostility towards the things of God. Because we stink. For some reason, we smell like death to them. In the spiritual realm, we remind them that they are still under the law of sin and death. And they want nothing to do with it. And I think sometimes we as Christians, we spend so much time to serve and to witness to those who want nothing to do with us, that we're banging our heads against a wall and we become discouraged and we stop serving and we stop witnessing because we've been beaten up by too many of those people. But what I love about this passage is it reminds us that God is the one at work already. God is already at work in people's lives. And when you show up to that person and serve them or witness to them, share your faith to them, that person just comes alive and goes, where have you been my whole life? I've been dying to know this. Because to them, you are the aroma of life, right? You are the aroma of life. We as the church need to be more discerning on who we witness to and who we serve, we need to open our eyes and look for where God is working. So one of the ways that I want to talk about service is looking at Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter uh, 25. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives us this picture of what service is supposed to look like, what service is supposed to be like in our hearts. (laughs) Jesus talks about his return. We as a church believe that Jesus is actually going to come back and that he is going to set up his eternal kingdom. And some people will live in that eternal kingdom in the blessing of God's love, and some people will be cast away, excluded from the love of God for all eternity. We believe that. 
We believe that. And we believe that the way to know this love of God is through Jesus and Jesus alone. Not a popular message, but it's the biblical one we hold to. And Jesus says this about that day. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on the right, those who are saved, that's my left, the right, (laughs) those who have been saved by faith in Christ alone, he will say to those at the right hand of Jesus, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you, look after, you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, uh, Lord, uh, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in or needed clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. You and I are sharing Jesus when we have a heart to serve others. When we use the gifts and the talents and the passions and the personality and the experience that God has given each and every one of us, when we use those not out of guilt, not out of religious obligation, but out of the overflow of truly knowing what Jesus has done for us, of truly being in that presence of God through worship, of living a life that's being transformed, of loving our neighbor like we actually love ourselves, we are sharing Jesus when we take the focus off of us and we focus on those who are hurting, struggling, and in pain, and lonely, and hungry, and lost. When we love them through service, Jesus says, you are doing that for me because that's his heart for them (laughs) because God loves them so much. He wants the church to be a place not to protest them, but to love on them through service. (laughs) So do we serve with that kind of heart? God created this church to be a family serving that way with the heart of God. And to talk about witnessing, I want to talk about this. Remember last week I presented to you the um, Greenbelt's purpose statement. When the church started 45 years ago, the founders of our church wrote down this purpose statement, and it says this. Greenbelt Church exists to worship God and to draw people closer to God through ongoing discipleship and nurturing relationship. We display God's splendor in sharing Jesus through personal evangelism. Right? We're not a church that does a lot of big, large-scale outreach stuff. Like, we're not. Uh, we're not the church that goes out into the neighborhood and knocks on every door and says, Hi, can I tell you about our church? <laughs> would you do this short survey? You know, What's the kind of church that you would like to do? We don't go around putting door hangers on churches or mailings to Uh, all the houses. We're we're not that large-scale outreach church. Now, we've partnered with a few things. We've partnered with the Big Give as a way to bless the community. 
as part of a city initiative. We're bringing Alpha back as part of a national initiative to be a part of the work that God's doing with that. But ultimately, we're not a big outreach church. In fact, for the last three years, our strategy as elders when it comes to the topic of outreach has been this. Social media, and we've been putting a lot of effort there, and helping you become more like Jesus. (laughs) That's it. That's our outreach strategy. Helping you become more like Jesus. Because if you became more like Jesus, you would be sharing Jesus. When we get a connection card from new people, there's a little question on there that says, how did you hear about Greenbelt? Number one, internet. And I'm great with that. We've been putting a lot of work there. Number two, someone invited me. And that's awesome. Right? When we become more like Jesus through personal evangelism, sharing our story, God displays his splendor. Right? 42 times in the New Testament, when the, when the New Testament talks about someone sharing their faith in Jesus, it uses the word boldly or boldness or bold. Now, we can think that bold means arrogant and obnoxious. And if you're going around sharing your faith with an attitude of being obnoxious and self-righteous and being a know-it-all and pointing out everybody's sin, you automatically are going to (laughs) stink. I don't care what God is doing in someone's life. You reek to those people. Stop it. Stop it. You're making it harder for the rest of us. Okay? Bold or boldly, biblically, means openly, freely, plainly, and with confidence. That's what it means to be bold. Openly, freely, plainly, with confidence. So you and I are all called to witness that way. Now, I know what the pushback is, because I've heard it for years. It's, Pastor, I'm not, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. So therefore, I'm off the hook that I don't have to share my faith with Jesus about Jesus. I don't have to be the person sharing Jesus. That is what the person with the spiritual gift of evangelism is. Now, I don't have time to go through all the verses about this, so just trust me. <laughs> no, don't trust me. Look it up yourself. Google it, okay? There's no spiritual gift of evangelism. It's an office. In Ephesians chapter 11, it says, Jesus gave the gift of prophet, evangelist, apostle, pastor, teacher, office, not gift, for the purpose of building you up to do the work that God has called you to do. A number of years ago, um, I was meeting with a couple of people here at the church, and um, they said, you know, pastor, we love you. We think you're great, um, but we don't think you should be a pastor. I'm like, okay, why? I said, well, you care about lost people too much. Amen. Thank you. My goodness. Okay. But um, so I'm sitting there and, 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 you know, and I took it and I'm sitting there going, okay. Like, and, you know, I didn't, sometimes I, I used to get defensive and I'm working on that. <laughs> and I'm listening. Okay. So what do you mean by that? So, well, you know, you just care about lost people too much and um, you should work for a place like the Billy Graham Association or you should go work for a parachurch ministry. And I'm going, yeah, but the number one place people are accepting Jesus in the world today is the local church. And if people who have a passion for lost people aren't in the church, then what is the church doing? Not reaching lost people. And isn't that the mission of the church? 
So then what are so many churches? Why are we shocked that 85% of churches in Canada are in decline and dying? Maybe because they forgot the purpose of the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, is to equip you to be more evangelistic. So if I tell you stories about the lost people that I hang out with and talk with, hopefully that's making you go, huh, maybe I can do that. Maybe I could try that. That's the point of being a bold witness. We are called to share our faith, and we will display God's splendor in that. We will display God's splendor when we serve the least of these and when we are bold in sharing Jesus with the world. Two little things I want to talk about quickly, and I'm going to end with this. Again, throughout this whole series, I've been wanting to help you take a little step. I'm not expecting you to run out of the streets and start standing on street corners with your Bible and preaching the gospel. If God called you to that, God bless you, okay? (laughs) But I'm not asking you to take that kind of a step. Maybe for some of you, it's that little baby step in sharing Jesus. Maybe a little baby step that you can start taking. And when you take that baby step, when you do a little, God multiplies it. When you do a little, God will multiply it. Two little things, and these are just examples. And I'm sharing this because this is what God is doing in our church right now. Just ask you, Aaron, if you could pull up this first chart here. I want you to look at this. So this is, um, I, I like numbers. My background is math and science. And so this is our church database that shows the age breakdown of the 400 plus people who attend our church. Look at the biggest age group there. <laughs> Four 11-year-olds. Woohoo! I know churches that would sell their soul for a number like that. <laughs> I know churches, I know pastors who are dying to see young families go back to their church. Okay? Um, in order for us to do this legally, <laughs> we have policies and things in place so that we can protect our kids. And if we don't have enough people to help, we can't run it. It will happen. One Sunday, you're going to show up with your kids and you're going to want to bring them into the nursery or you're going to want to bring them to Kids Zone and we're going to have to go at the door and say, sorry, we don't have enough help today. You have to bring the kid into the service. <laughs> because we have ratios and obligations and all of these things. And this is just an, one example of the many areas of ministry where God is working. So if you've never served before, maybe you could take a little baby step what i'll give this a try maybe i'll help out maybe it's just to be a hallway monitor stand in the hallway when little kids go to the bathroom so we can make sure our kids are safe a little step to help out because god is moving here god is working here and our kids own director chris would love to talk to you more about this bring up the next the next slide please aaron this is some of the stuff that we've been doing with social media okay um if you are afraid of sharing your faith, I, joke, I jokingly say this, but this is amazing what's happening. If you're afraid to share your faith, all you got to do in Facebook is click the share button. Last week, between September 13th and 19th, we had 506 people watch our service video. 506! That's, a, that's like three other churches. We're kind of talking about church planting. There they are. (laughs) It's already happening. 
When I kind of say I have a vision for us to be a church that reaches 1% of our city, we, we're, we're on our way. It's happening. It's not that they're in the building. There's different ways to reach people with the message of Jesus. 506 people. Now, I don't know how long they watched. It might have been four seconds, but they clicked it. So maybe for you, what I'm, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for some people that would volunteer on Sunday morning because we live stream this every Sunday. And I'd like a couple of people every Sunday to sit in the cafe with your, your, your phone and interact with the people who check out the video. Just come to church. Use the free Wi-Fi. Sit there with your phone. I'll train you how to do it. Sit down and say, hey, welcome to Greenbelt. Can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? How'd you find out about us? Just interact with those 506 people. Great way to learn how to share your faith. I volunteer every Monday afternoon with a ministry, an online ministry, and I've prayed with people in Pakistan. I've led someone to Christ from Iran. I've led someone to Christ from the UK. (laughs) Okay, through online ministry. So safe. (laughs) The easiest way to share your faith is on a keyboard. (laughs) It's so easy now. And the world is so hungry for what we have. If you want to know more about that ministry, come and see me in the cafe after. I'd love to get more people to help out with that. But it's baby steps. And this is why we believe as we go into this 45th year of ministry that God is going to blow the roof off of this place. Because the world is desperate for you. We live in a world today that is desperately waiting for you to display God's splendor in knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord God, we praise you and thank you for this church, this family. And God, you've knit us all together. And that means, Lord, sometimes we have to learn to love each other better, to care for one another better, and to serve one another better. But Lord, you are doing great things. So I thank you so much for this family that I get to be a part of. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for the lives that you're changing. I thank you so much for Ryan and and Twyla who are just obedient today to take that step of baptism. Father, I pray for all of us that we would be that display of God's splendor everywhere that we go. I pray, Lord, that you would truly give us a heart to serve the least of these, that you would reach out to the hurting, the broken, the lost through us, your children. I pray that we would be bold in the sharing of our faith, that you would help us, Lord, to boldly, openly, with confidence, share what Jesus means to us, and then trust you, Holy Spirit, that you will save not us that save people it's the spirit of god who saves people but we just need to do our part and tell open our mouths so father god as we continue to worship you here i pray lord that you would continue to touch our hearts help each and every one one of us find what's that next step that small step that we can take in serving and witnessing we pray this in jesus name